Wait a second. This isn't your grandma's cancer show. Hi, I'm Tatum Jarok, and I'd like to welcome everyone who is new here. If you're recently diagnosed and you're wondering what's next, this is the podcast for you. Not your grandma's cancer show. I have two great guests with me today. And as well as that, members of the Shine community have shared what they wish they'd known when they were in your position. The first of my two guests is Matt, who was diagnosed just last year, so it's really fresh in his mind. And what he'll be sharing is, well, it's quite invaluable. He has been through so much in this past year. Hi, Matt. Hi, Tatum. Thanks for inviting me. And we also have Kynwyn Giles, and her personal experience was more than a few years ago, but she co-founded Shine, and she has spoken to so many young people with cancer, and she really gets it. Hi, Kynwyn. Thanks, Tatum. It's great to be back. Love being on the podcast. The first tip comes from Neil, who has been on the podcast before, and he was 26 when he had a brain tumour. So I wish someone had told me not to make banana pancakes before radiotherapy because then I would be violently ill, throw them up and then never be able to eat a banana again and not even be in the same room as one. That is how my banana phobia started. But yeah, I wish someone had told me that. Thanks for that, Neil, because so many people have lost their favourite foods to eating it in the middle of treatment. And whether it was that the food made them throw up or whether it just becomes the association. But so many people have said, please just eat food that you're eh, kind of okay about. We've got some more top tips from Shannon. Hi everyone, my name's Shannon and I was 27 when I was diagnosed with endometrial and ovarian cancer. I would say that I have one of those cancers that is statistically 60 and over, so I'm one of those people who has the phrase of too young for this cancer. (laughs) It's been a really frustrating time getting medical professionals to listen to me um, because of my age and I don't know if anybody else can relate to that but I would just say firstly is to always listen to yourself and your instinct because you know your own body the best because you know when something's wrong so I would say always trust your own body and instinct um, I know when you get diagnosed and the doctor says to you that you have cancer it's just for me it was a complete blur And sometimes I actually can't even remember what I did apart from just stare at the wall. Um, So I completely understand that it's a really difficult thing to get your head around at first. I would say the emotional impact has been at times tougher than the physical impact for me personally for waiting for scans, waiting for biopsies. Um, and it can just make you feel really, really alone. So anybody who's recently diagnosed, um, I just want you to know that you're not alone because it can be so, so lonely and it really can impact your mental health. But the support Shine Off has been great. To know that there's other people of a similar age in the same boat as you. Um, I've found journaling to be helpful as well because getting your feelings out on paper, it's a relief and sometimes can make you think differently when your thoughts are on the page. 
with cancer I always feel like it's a, a backpack that I carry around with me that I'm not allowed to take off so I've got all this stuff in this backpack it's really really heavy and I'm carrying it around all the time so I'm getting used to carrying the backpack around but at some point I'm hoping that I can put the backpack down for a couple of hours and then I'm going to have to carry it again. So that kind of helps me. I don't know if it would help anyone else, but to kind of think of it like, oh, I'm just putting that in my backpack today and I'm not going to think about that, especially when it comes to waiting for scans and things. Kynwen, how has it been for you to hear both Neil and Shannon talk about their, their tips of what they wish they knew when they were newly diagnosed? I feel like there's lots of wisdom in there. I mean, starting with Neil, I have been in a room with Neil and a banana um, and it's, it's, yeah, he's not been happy about it. So it is, (laughs) it's a real thing. Um, It's really tricky because a lot of people will say, you know, it's a time when you're not well, you're going through chemo or radio or your surgery, you know, eat whatever makes you feel good. But there can really be this long-term association between the food that you eat when you're getting chemo and and what you want to eat later. And it can wreck your favorite foods. So it's not a bad thing to think, you know, when you're starting out, actually, if you're not feeling great or you're going for chemo or radi- radiotherapy, maybe just to, yeah, don't wreck your favorite food because that, that can be a real shame. You sort of lose something that's given you joy for the rest of your life that can be really hard yeah and those are like the little things that often aren't taken into consideration those are the kinds of things that get exchanged at shine can you tell me kind when what would you like to say to someone who's newly diagnosed that this is maybe their first cancer podcast that they've ever listened to really just to i mean it sounds kind of trite but to be kind to yourself because actually it's a big thing i hear a lot at shine people will say oh i was diagnosed with cancer but i didn't lose my hair or i only had surgery or i only had radiotherapy or even if you have had the whole range people kind of downplay it and you know that can be really useful if you're trying to get through something but actually this is a really big deal it's a life changer um you know whether you you want it to be or not and so i think there there is just something really important about knowing that it's okay to feel overwhelmed by all of this and actually just take it day by day um and try to be you know as kind to yourself as you can really you know that backpack that shannon was talking about um i really like that analogy because it it is a big backpack and actually it you know it might start off with one thing with your diagnosis but actually you're putting stuff in that bag the whole time and you've got to carry it around recognizing how big your backpack is is really important i know for me getting support wasn't like number one it wasn't even like really on my mind and I'd been warned off it for some reason um someone's like oh don't don't go to any support groups um, in this very conspiratorial way and I thought like oh you know I've got my people and and we're good and it wasn't until those little things started to happen or little things were said that I started to feel more alone And what Shannon said about feeling alone, I think is what led me to looking for something. And it was those tiny moments of having to explain something that I've never actually needed to explain to a friend before. And seeing that blankness, even when they were trying their hardest to understand, but not quite getting it and feeling like, oh, 
am I am I losing my mind? Kindwin, is that something yeah. that you hear a lot? It's funny, actually, when when she said, oh, I'm one of those people that has a cancer more common in the over 60s. I mean, cancer is more common in the over 60s. Um, but the funny thing is that pretty much everyone at Shine, I think, has been told, oh, you know, you're unlucky. This is a cancer that's much more common in whatever, men over 70, if you're a woman or stuff like that. So actually, it it has a, it's a weird thing in that you hear that as an individual and it makes you feel really lonely because you think, what did I do? You know, why am I the unlucky one? Obviously, you would never wish that unluckiness on anyone else, but actually everyone in China is in that boat. I can't tell you the number of people I know who have been told, oh, this is much more common in the over 60s or 70s. Um, I think it's important to know you're not alone, but also that, you know, in Shine, you can find people who really do get it because all of that stuff that you're putting in your backpack, a lot of your friends, no matter how well-meaning they are, they can't understand what it's like to be in that position. Yeah, That's one of those things about feeling kind of lonely and isolated is you can be surrounded by people. It doesn't mean you don't feel lonely in the experience that you're having. Um, and actually, Shannon is part of the community and hopefully has found people who she can talk to. But it's it's definitely um, something that I think is important. And we do get warned off about support, like you said, right? And I think even for me, when I was diagnosed, and that was a long time ago now, thinking, oh, I don't want to be, you know, around a bunch of sad cancer patients. Um, For me, what I've really discovered is sometimes when you're around other cancer patients, that's when you can laugh the hardest Mm -hmm. because you know that you're understood. And and that's really that's just a really important thing to recognize. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's it's so true because in a way it's like all your guards can kind of come down because you're not necessarily having to worry how something's going to come over to someone else, um, yeah, especially absolutely. someone that is really close to you that you maybe want to protect or you maybe want them to think that you're managing it better, um, and you can just oh, like let that go and just sort of reconnect with being yourself again. Um, Kaiman, do you have a top tip for during treatment? Not overdoing it, but Mm -hmm. also trying to maintain some physical activity if you can, because actually, I mean, obviously there will be some days when you feel completely floored and that's okay. But I have often found just getting out for some fresh air can really help on days when you are feeling a bit sick and tired and also gets you out of that kind of isolation of being the sick person in your house. So, um, you know, and it's funny how much things have changed because when I was diagnosed, you know, the doctors and nurses were like, don't exercise. You know, you really need to take it easy. And now there's a lot of evidence that actually exercising is good for you. So again, you don't have to run a half marathon, but just going for a walk around the block, um, seeing things, counting the number of animals that you see, um, little things to switch your brain into a different mode can be really helpful, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I was definitely not, not, not one that will ever go for a run, um, even on my bestest of days. And you don't have to, Tatum. That's the beauty of it. That's even the if there was, you know, a rampaging rhinoceros behind me, I would flail forward, but not not running. But I do think that change of scenery can be so powerful and just going as far as feels possible or feels good can make all the difference. Absolutely. Matt. I'm so happy that you're here. Um, Can you tell me a bit about what was happening in your life when you were diagnosed? I think like everybody else that I've listened to on the podcast, life was going pretty well. 
work was going well. I just welcomed my second child into the into the world, um, literally two weeks before I started having symptoms. And then, yeah, it all sort of spiraled from there and went downhill very quickly. But like you've already mentioned, I was definitely in that camp of you're too young to have cancer. You're too healthy. You know, it's it's not likely to be that. I was thinking, listening to to the clip from Shannon then, about when I was having my first colonoscopy. And I can re- remember the surgeon at the time. Um, he's all gowned up and in his mask. The camera is still at my bottom. And then uh, I could see the polyp um, that was causing him some concern. And he put his gloved hand onto my shoulder. Um, you're in a reasonably uncomfortable position having a colonoscopy. Mm. And says to me, it's okay. It's nothing to worry about. We'll probably need to take it out, but it's definitely nothing to worry about. So I was I was quite reassured at that point. A few weeks later, the biopsies came back and again, the, the whole whirlwind just hit me. That by itself, going into a diagnosis, to be so specifically reassured and yeah. then so quickly not to be able to trust what was said to you. How was that transition? It was really weird, to be honest, because I went in and I got my biopsy results. Even at that point, the surgeon was saying to me, I'm still not convinced it's cancer. I I think it's it's just, you know, precancerous and we're going to treat it like it is cancer. But I'm pretty sure once we get it out and and, and have you stitch back up the, that you'll be back to work in six weeks time and and away you'll go which turned out not to be the case so I saw I went in um, for my surgery I had an extended right hemicolectomy um, so I've got bowel cancer um, which is pretty standard procedure for most bowel cancer patients I was told that the operation would take four and a half hours I came out nine hours later my wife at the time thought that I was dead because nobody had phoned her from the surgeons to tell her that that I was still in the operating t- theatre. And I spent the night in intensive care. She came and saw me in the morning and I went out onto the ward. And about four or five days after that, the surgeon came in with the nurse specialist and drew the green curtains around me and said, I'm really sorry, Mr. Barber. Um, it is cancer. And uh, we know that it's now spread to your lymph nodes as well, which puts you at stage three of of diagnosis. We don't know if it's spread any further and we need you to start chemotherapy sooner rather than later. So I'd gone from, it's definitely not cancer to it's really quite bad. And I had six weeks basically to sort of prepare myself to go into that state of going through chemotherapy and everything else, um, which really threw all my plans out the window. I'd even had a new job lined up to go back to after my six weeks. Um, so I was going to go and move and work in a different area of the department that I work in um, for somebody that I had an immense amount of respect for. It was sort of one of those dream job moves where you were just doing it because you wanted to do it. Um and I just remember sitting on on the bed um, after I'd had a good cry, um, just being like, well, that's off now. <laughs> um, and going around and having to tell people, which was horrific. Uh, at least the first couple of times it was horrific. 
But after that, it then became a bit easier, but it was more difficult to manage other people's reactions to it rather than my reaction to it. Um, I sort of equate it to like a, a mechanic and spanners. They're really used to seeing all the different types of spanners, whereas the person that you're showing them to, it's all shiny and new for the first time. So that that's really difficult. Uh, that's so much, Matt, that's, that's going on there because you've got a newborn and you're also your partner being, you know, not knowing what's going on. I can almost see you being sort of buffeted by the back and forth of the doctors and then being left in this position of, we know it's quite bad, but we don't know how bad. Having to relay that to people when, at that point, had it sunk in for you? Nowhere near had it sunk in for me. I think I really went into survival mode. So it was, you know, I've got six weeks to get myself as fit, as strong as I can and recovered from my operation so I can start chemo. Then it was, I'm going to get through the first round of chemo. Then I knew what was coming in the second round. So it was right now I'm through the second round. I've only got two more rounds to go so I can get through that. At, At no point did it ever cross my mind what I was going through, probably until June, July time this year. When were you first diagnosed and when Mm. did you sort of feel like, oh, I need a space to process this? So I was diagnosed in July last last year and it wasn't until I'd had my scan results the second time round and I actually went from stage four to no evidence of disease from, from that scan. And at that point it was like, right, I, I, I can take some time and I can start to breathe and work out actually what's gone on for me mentally. I knew it had had an effect on my mental health. I just didn't quite know what it was at that point because it was that decompression of everything so manic and fast, you know, to start off with. It's a complete whirlwind. You're, you're seeing dietitians, you're seeing doctors, you're seeing nurse specialists, you're seeing the GP. There's all this stuff that is thrown at you. And then I remember going in and getting my results where they said that there was no evidence of disease. And I was like, so so what does that mean for me? And it was almost like, well, we're not really worried about you now. You know, you just carry on with your treatment for, for two years um, and we'll just keep monitoring you and seeing how you're going. And I just remember this almost like a a weight being lifted off of me and sat in the waiting room for another blood test straight afterwards because I was due to have more treatment and just being sat there and thinking, well, this isn't what what I was planning on. You know, I'd been told that the chances are the immunotherapy might not work. So I sort of prepared for that worst case scenario. And all of a sudden, very quickly, my path had changed from one area to a different area and it was like well how how do I now live with this because I need to come out of this survival just going from the one moment to the next to actually being able to cope and live with it and being able to tell my story to people without breaking down or being able to help other people from what I've experienced in such a short period of time 
you received so much news on top of all of the treatment that you went through. And, you know, I can really hear how you sort of broke it down in your minds are kind of these, okay, let's get through the next chemo. And there's a methodical treadmill nature to that. And as much as it's overwhelming, there is the, the structure of appointments filling time. But in that time, you've gone from, and correct me if I if I say anything that it does, doesn't sit quite right, but it's unlikely to be cancer, not worried about it, to it is cancer, to it's stage three, we're not sure, to it's stage four, to we're going to try this immunotherapy, see if this works, to no evidence of disease in one year. Yeah, it's been an absolute whirlwind, to put it mildly. It just hasn't stopped the the, the whole year. It, it was just mental. Uh, and it was then trying to find the time to actually process it because w- when you're going through that, you just can't do it. You, your brain is going a million miles and it just doesn't switch off. But it's all the negative stuff. It's never the, well, what if actually everything's okay? That's what's populated by the media is you hear all the stories of Bow Babe and all, all the other people. And they, they don't always have a great ending. I don't think that I'm at the end of my story yet. But at this moment in time, I'm in a really good place. Um, and some of that has been definitely down to yourselves at Shine because you've given me that that space to be able to sort of explore and unpack what was going on for me in a really safe environment, which I will always be really grateful for. So you came along to one of the Shine Circles. Um, how would you describe the experience of that? I loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I've done group therapy before. So I was really dubious because the last group therapy that I did was just full of very angry people. Um, It was nothing nothing to do with cancer, just very angry people. Um, But the the Shine group was very, very different. I think to start with, you know, the facilitators are fantastic. They have life experience, the same similar or same or similar life experience to yourselves, which is lovely. the group was just fantastic. Now, not everybody has the same cancer as I do. They're all at different stages of their stories, but it's just so nice. And I didn't realise that I really needed just that group of people, like you say, Tatum, that just get it, that you don't need to explain why things are hard for you or, you know, why... (laughs) you haven't got dressed that day or you know all the other things or, um i remember you saying about um, meeting up for drinks and not having any makeup on because actually the chemo that you were on at the time was you were too tired to do that and it's just so nice to have just that group of people you know you can vent to them nobody gets upset you know because it they understand you know some days are truly shitty days other days are not it's great. 
Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad to hear that experience. You said something just then that is echoed um, by John, who was diagnosed just a few months ago. I was diagnosed with uh, AML um, seven months ago. I'm, I'm in remission now. And I wish I knew back then that um, you can't be positive all the time during your treatment. Um, you're going to have good days and bad days. Um, but you'll get through it and hopefully you'll get through the other side. And the other thing I found really useful was to speak to someone who had a, a similar illness as to myself, um, you know, just to make sure I felt like some days I was going a bit stir crazy. Um, some of the thoughts I was having and just, it was quite reassuring to speak to someone who'd been through it all and understood well what I was going through. So yeah, they were my two bits of advice. And Gemma also has attended um, Shine programmes and has been on the podcast before when we talked about infertility. Hello there, my name's Gemma and I'm an ovarian cancer survivor and these are my tips for being newly diagnosed with cancer. My first main tip is to connect with other people who have had cancer or have cancer. So when I was first diagnosed, I felt like I was the only person in the whole world, especially like the only young person who had ever had cancer. So I went on a quest to find others in the same boat. I first joined Shine's breakout programme and went to some Shine socials, which I really recommend as I've made so many friends through this, many of whom I see regularly today. I also reached out to others my age with the same diagnosis on online forums. I went to fundraising events and I read cancer memoirs to see how other people had coped in my situation. The two books I would really recommend for the first days of a cancer diagnosis are Deborah James, um, FC UK Cancer, don't want to swear, and Seleka Jahood, Between Two Kingdoms. There's basically no need to like walk alone when you've got cancer, so even if you're normally an introvert, please do reach out to others because it honestly makes such a difference. The other big tip I have is self-care. So before my therapist explained to me what self-compassion actually meant, I thought that self-care was like a little bit narcissistic and indulgent, so I was basically a bit like a ship being battered around going from sort of one extreme behaviour to the next. So, for example, sometimes I'd be like an extreme health obsessive or I'd be like a workaholic doing lots of extra work and stuff. And then other times I would literally be like sloughing around crying in my trackies, drinking wine and eating chocolate all day. And the truth is that like neither of these things are self-care. Everything needs to be a balance. So I obviously appreciate that it's easier said than done. But for me, staying connected to my pre-cancer life throughout chemotherapy has made it so much easier to come back to the world after treatment. But honestly, there's also nothing wrong with just slumming down in life a bit and just taking this time out to have hot baths and treat yourself and rest during this time. Because it's going to be tough. And finally, like I know, obviously, you probably feeling really frightened and really shocked right now. So I just wanted to send you all the love, prayers and positive vibes in the world. And, you know, I just think that so much of, like, cancer, it's such a loaded term and so much of the battle is psychological as well as physical. But this side does get better with time, honestly. Um, thank you. Matt, how was it to listen to John and Gemma? Oh, I completely get where they're coming from. Everything that that we've listened to today is just, it just resonates. It, it's ever so slightly different, but is all very similar. Um, I get this, the, you have to be positive. Oh God, 
the amount of people that have told me that over the last few months is is just ridiculous especially when i got when i was uh, moved to stage four because my world just completely imploded on me i visited uh, uh dr google and looked at the uh, statistics for bowel cancer on there which wasn't great and i was just like oh my god and just tortured myself even more and more until my wife actually pointed out um being a nurse she knows these things that the uh the research was massively out of date um and they're statistics they're not people so um you know yeah completely get the positive bit the self-care i'm rubbish with but yes it's so important you know just to take that time out um i remember a friend of mine um called eve um she had goblet cell cancer uh she passed away in uh, may this year but i can remember her saying to me when i was first diagnosed you know um her sister uh trish was trying to get her to go out for the day and she was like no i'm, I'm really not feeling it today i'm really not feeling it and i said to her well why didn't you go and she said because I just needed that time to sit on the couch and do absolutely sod all. That's what I needed to do that day. And I was like, oh, right, okay. So you don't you don't have to do everything that everybody wants to do with you because you've now got to make memories all the time and everything else. And she was like, no, no, you definitely <laughs> don't. Um, you know, so, so yeah, absolutely. They're just echoes, really, of, of what I've been through. And it's not all doom and gloom. It really isn't. I've had some fantastic experiences since I've been diagnosed with cancer. You know, I, I've met you lovely people at Shine for a start. Um, I've had lots of great experiences around my local community. Um, I'm a massive rugby fan and I've been able to do things that I would never have been able to do if I hadn't had cancer. So it's sort of like a double-edged sword, really. You know, um, and and yeah, I'm in a good place at the moment, so it's easy for me to say that. But if you let people in, you then you know you will find that you'll get to do fantastic things. Watching your face as you were listening to the clips and nodding just really shows that that power of even though everyone that comes to Shine has a different diagnosis, um, is at different stages, is different kinds of cancer. There's something about the, the the experience that's so unifying, even if people choose to deal with it very, very different ways and really finding your way, like what does self-care look like to you is not going to look the same as to someone else. That's the lovely thing about Shine is that everyone comes with you know, a different kind of cancer. And I think there's something really unifying about everyone getting together that are in a similar age rather than maybe other support that's very specific to that particular kind of cancer. And there is something just that crosses over. Um, and I'm going to bring Kynwen in here <laughs> to share a little bit more about that. It was interesting listening, I think, to those clips and to Matt, but well, I've been writing things down the whole time, but one of the things I, I really took from John's clip, you know, where he said, you don't have to be positive all the time. Um, and then Gemma talking about self-care. 
I think this was a really big lesson for me, actually, because I felt like, you know, you've got everyone telling you, you just have to be positive. But actually, I had a therapist say to me, you know, but it's not a positive experience. What what's what what would it feel like to admit that actually this is not this has not been positive? And it was so that was really powerful to me to be able to say, you know what, this is a really awful thing that's happened then to begin to think about what that means and what it looks like rather than sort of pushing against it the whole time and thinking oh, i've got to find meaning in this this will make me a better person i'm going to turn my life around um i'm alive it's okay i mean actually it's a pretty terrible hand that you know people in shine have been dealt and i do think it's really important and it is part of self-care to acknowledge that and to take some time out to really process it and think about what that means because i don't think you can kind of work your way through it if you're just thinking i've got to be positive about it and that's tough because i can remember when i got the news um from my hematologist that i was in remission and kind of everyone around me was like this is amazing this is great and i felt numb I felt tired. I felt kind of, I mean, obviously better than the alternative, don't get me wrong, but um, it, I didn't feel elated. And I think there is this conception out there that like you're going to ring a bell and you're going to be elated and you're going to live your best life. And actually, I just felt really exhausted. And I think we don't talk about that enough. Um, and I guess if we're thinking about tips for people who are newly diagnosed, that's not to say you're not going to have great days, because of course you will. But you know, you feel how you feel, and that's okay. Don't put pressure on yourself to feel a certain way. Um, and a lot of people will be projecting things onto you. Um, and I think it's just really important to be able to think, you know what, today's my day to sit on the couch, like Matt said about his friend. Um, you don't have to go out and make make quote unquote memories with everybody. Um, you just let yourself feel how you feel, even if that's that's not a good feeling. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that when you do that, mm. then you have those moments like Matt, you were describing of actually I've had a pretty good day today. But when it's when it's sort of shuddered on you like oh seize every moment you should be you know going out there and living every day that that is exhausting and no one else is doing it right yeah. like you know like why would you put that pressure on anybody let alone someone who's really tired and exhausted but somehow when we let that pressure go then those moments that are an absolute riot, that are really fun, or you're like, wow, I would never have met this person or be at this rugby match or doing this. They come, but they come from that joyousness inside you, not because society expects you to <laughs> look like the good cancer patient and, you know, um, be appreciative of everything. And, you know, and that you're allowed to complain that was like one thing for me is like if you want to have an event do have one because I really felt so constrained by people talking about someone that they thought was amazing and then they would say oh but she never complained and I had just been sitting there sharing some of my side effects and I'm like do you think I'm complaining and just quietly just backing out of the conversation while they continued 
to complain about everything because half the conversation is like, oh, can you believe this is going on? Oh, you know. And I think if someone can complain about traffic or anything else, I think we should be allowed to complain about what we're going through as well. So, and actually, Tatum, I think. It- that really relates to something that Matt said at the beginning, which I thought was really interesting, Matt, when you were talking about, you know, you have to tell people that you're diagnosed with cancer, but then also, you know, you're not just, it's not a one-way thing. You're not just telling them, you're also getting back their grief, their upset, their emotion about it. And that can be really difficult. And it's the same when you're complaining. People are, oh, well, they never complain. you just got to be positive. You're taking that in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for us to work out ways when you're diagnosed or going through treatment to work at ways of communicating with people. And this is something actually we talk a lot about in some of our programs, but how are you going to manage the flow of information? So it might be that you want to appoint one or two people close to you to kind of spread the word um, about what's going on for you. Um, Or it might be that, you know, you want to have a WhatsApp group that's specifically for um, sharing that that type of information. But I think it can be really useful to just think about how are you going to manage the information that you have um, so that you're not always having to manage what comes back because that can be really tough. Yeah, it really can. And we've got a clip from Christy who shares how she's coped. Hi everyone, I'm Christy and I was diagnosed with malignant melanoma of the skin in 2021. How did I cope? Well, It was a case of having to, really. What choice do you have in that situation? I coped a lot with humour, especially when, during the early stages, I ended up looking like the invisible man, all bandaged up. Also, exercise has been important. Being able to keep my mind focused elsewhere. Completing the Couch to 5K during treatment. Also, I was in full-time employment for the vast majority of my treatments, barring surgery and some difficult side effects. This definitely helped support my mental health by giving me purpose. It's so nice to hear how Christy coped with that and I think we can really all relate to the humour especially those times you look in the mirror and you're like oh my do I even look like a human right now um I remember just feeling like a little potato you know kind of a bald little potato and I was like I'm not sure I'm human she found exercise and she found running really useful um but it wouldn't be for everyone and same with work like she found work really nourishing But that's the lovely thing about coming to a community is that there isn't just one way of doing it, is there? Kynwin, can you share, like, within Shine, how many different varieties of kind of coping mechanisms would you say people employ? I think the most important thing is to work out what works for you. Um, So for some people, um, like Christy, you know, that's amazing that she found work really helpful. And I think it can be helpful because it just gives you something else to focus on. And it can give you that kind of purpose at a time when you can otherwise sit around thinking, oh, what is the point of all of this? But it can also be tough. So I know other people who just haven't been able to work because they're exhausted or their brain, you know, you've got brain fog or, um, you know, you're signed off work sick. And so, you know, you've got to take time out. 
But I definitely think, you know, if you can find the humor, even in dark situations, that can be useful. I, I don't think it's something that can be forced, but like I, I can still remember my husband and I really laughing hard in the hospital where I think I'd, I'd been in there so long. I remember thinking, oh, well, I'm sure I could take your blood pressure. And like we got the blood pressure machine out and like couldn't do it. And that doesn't even sound that funny. But at the time, it was just hilarious. Um, so, you, you know, you just have to giggle over whatever you can. You know, exercise can be really helpful, but again, that's what works for you. So couch to 5K, amazing if you can do it, but you know, if it's just a walk around the block or a bit of stretching or, you know, yoga or something like that, um, give that a whirl as well. It's, it's, I just think the most important thing is to work out what works for you. Yeah. And I think that is what's so reassuring is to know however you're doing it you're not alone with that like and you're not you, doing it wrong and you're not doing it wrong yeah like one of the biggest laughs I think I had initially was when my work called up while I was still going through chemo and said would I like to come back and I could not stop laughing. I was like, "You, I will literally be under the desk crying. I can't complete a sentence. I've got such bad brain fog. I was like, I am an absolute liability in every way, shape or form. I will bring down the morale of the department. And this poor woman on the other end of the phone was like, oh, okay then. <laughs> I could not have gone to work. And I think having initially found support, I remember meeting people that had worked all the way through and going, oh no, like, have I done it wrong? And then actually reaching out into like wider support. So going beyond that one or two people that, you know, a friend of a friend has hooked you up with and realizing actually there is no right to this. There is no wrong to this. Um, and it reminded me in, in a group the other day, was the term cancering. So it was being used as like something that you're doing. It's kind of like, well, I'm cancering today. And that might be um, dealing with the side effects. That might be going to appointments. But actually, that can be a full-time job at any one point and, you know, or man many points or all the time. Um, Absolutely. But it's it's really nice developing that language with other people, so you ha you have that to share. Matt, do you have a moment that you just cracked up laughing? I have got the most wicked sense of humour, anyway, um, which has helped me immensely. I went back to work two weeks after I stopped chemo, but that's because I work from home and I work in IT, and it was relatively straightforward. And there was a group of us sat around and they were all saying, well, you know, what, what are you spending your bonus on this year? And so it was a bit of creeping death, you know, going around the group, we're on a Zoom call. And they got to me and they went, so what are you spending your money on, Matt? And I went, that's a down payment on my funeral. And everybody wow. around there went, oh my God. And then I erupted with laughter after seeing all of their faces. It, it is still one of my highlights. I, I go back to that even and I look at it and I'm just like, I've got you all. I really got you all. <laughs> I find humour immensely helpful for dealing with anything like this to the point that I was laughing and joking with the nurses, you know, whilst I was and coming out of recovery and, and everything else. I sit when I'm having my treatment and I tell jokes and I probably annoy a lot of the patients that are in that room, but 
it's my way of coping with it but that's just who I am and I think if the cancer had got rid of that in me then I'd be in a lot worse place so you know humor is just such a good way of coping with things yeah and it's it's such a connection point like we were saying like when you can just be yourself in front of people who understand it is like how you find yourself again how you find that sense of humor how you reconnect I just want to say thank you so much, Matt, for for being with us today and sharing everything that you have been through in the last year. And I know this isn't the last time that you're going to be on the podcast. Love to have you back again. Kynwin, is there anything, like, just say someone's listening to this and is like, I know that I'm so overwhelmed. Where do I even go? How do I know what I'm looking for? A cancer diagnosis, because it does throw up so much, it can be really hard to think, well, one, is there anything that can help? And two, is there anything that could, you know, is it going to make me feel better? And I think we always say at Shine, you know, we don't, we know that we don't have the answer because there isn't one, there isn't going to be one answer that makes everybody feel better. Um, And there's nothing that we're able to do about the cancer diagnosis. I think what we can do at Shine is at least connect you with other people who really understand. And we can help get rid of that sense of isolation, that sense that you're the only person that this has happened to. So obviously, you know, I would tell everyone to listen to the podcast because I think it's great. And we've got loads of episodes on all kinds of different topics, which you know, everything from mental health to fertility to menopause to, you know, how do you cope with, um, you know, your friendships, that kind of thing. I know a lot of people read the personal experiences that we have on our website as well. And I think that's, you know, if you're just thinking about, oh, what might I like to do or what else is out there? That's a really good way of just kind of dipping your toe in without getting too overwhelmed. Just sort of reading other people's what they've been through and how they've managed it. And then obviously, you know, all of our programs, they're they're listed on our website, um, but the breakout program, just for people kind of coming to the end of treatment or who, in, who are in remission, we've got Shine Circles, which Matt did for people living with a sort of incurable diagnosis. Um, and we've also got a Plus Ones um, online program, so the part for the partners of of younger adults with cancer. So there's there's lots out there, and I think I mean again, there's no pressure. There's no pressure from any of us. You know, it's whatever works for you. Hopefully, what we've tried to do with Shine is just give people options. So you know, you can read stuff on the website, you can listen to the podcast, you can come along to a program, or you can attend one of our Shine meetups. We've got meetups around the country, and just go for a coffee and see how that feels. And you know, if you don't like it and it's not for you, you don't have to come back. We won't be insulted. That's okay. Um, we hope you will like it and you'll keep coming back. There's no pressure. Just give it a try. I think you've got, you've got nothing to lose by trying it. Come as you are. Um, Absolutely. Makeup, no makeup. Um, however you're choosing to you know, go through your diagnosis, you don't have to be any which way. You can pick and choose from the buffet of options. But I do think that reading about other people's stories and seeing what's worked for other people that you maybe relate to is often a really, really great place to start. So thank you, Matt. Thank you, Kynwin. And thank you to all of you who are listening. And for those of you who are newly diagnosed, welcome. And we hope to see you soon. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Not your grandma's cancer show.